0: Unmentionable contains depictions of domestic violence, sexual assault, suicidal ideation, and pornography. This podcast is intended for ages 13 and older. We recommend parents listen through before or alongside their child. Previously on Unmentionable. The last year I was
1: in the industry, I was the best I'd ever been. The day that I found out that I won... Performer of the Year was like a a killjoy. It was almost like a sick joke. I didn't feel like I thought I would. I started thinking about self-harm. I was tracking, like, when when I made a million dollars, I thought that there was gonna be something that was gonna shift in me, and then it didn't happen. just, like, really started, like, dreading. Anytime I was on set, it was almost like I felt dirty in a way that I couldn't wash off. I could, like, feel the check in my pocket. Like, made sense to, like, go into positive. I walk in slide the check across the counter and she looks at me and says, Joshua, are you okay? Like I hadn't heard my name in so long I didn't even recognize my own name. I hustled back home
0: having a flood of emotions and called my mom. In life, the shadows of our past actions and decisions can affect our future in surprising ways. Sometimes these shadows are faint, only visible to those closest to us. But for some, they're on display for millions to see and judge. I'm your host, Lee Shelton, and this is Unmentionable a journey through the life of a prodigal porn star and a look behind the curtain of a $100 billion industry. Chapter six, death and a funeral.
1: I call my mom. I don't know what to expect. Hearts racing, uh, tears, still wiping them off my face, snot, literally just looked death in the face. And now I'm on the other side of that. And the thing that made the most sense for me was to call my mom. And while I didn't know how she was gonna react, at the same time, I kinda did. She has always been who she said she would be to me. She's never, ever, ever in her life let me down. She's never disappointed me. She's never said that she would show up and not showed up. In a lot of ways, she's been the most consistent thing in my entire life. So when I called, she picked up and she said what she had been saying for my entire life, I love you. And then
0: she encouraged me to come home. So I did. With all the unknowns that were suddenly a part of Josh's life, there was one thing that was certain. He needed to immediately leave Los Angeles. And sometimes you have to make a difficult but necessary decision without a fully formed plan.
1: As I'm making this plan to come home, I'm thinking through, okay, what in the heck am I going to do to like to make money? You know what 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 does a career look like? And I've always been a very driven individual, very resourceful, um, not afraid to to do whatever I needed to do to either put in the work to get to where I wanted to be or, you know, just, okay, I, I want to have some extra money to do some things, but I, I wasn't afraid to do what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be. Um, that's always been who I was, but I knew I needed to figure something out because Porn was off the table, I knew like acting and modeling, that was off the table and I thought like, okay, literally, what can I do? You know, what what do I have that can give me access to making money? What
0: can I do career-wise? This is a primary reason many in the porn industry feel trapped. Their higher income has enabled a higher standard of living. And often they feel they would lose everything if they left the industry and pursued a normal job. Health and
1: fitness has always been a passion of mine. It always was a picture of camaraderie. It was almost like if if you want to accomplish something, you know, if you want to bench 300 pounds, there's a systematic way that if you do this training plan, eventually you'll get there and I thought, okay I've got this level one certification from CrossFit and that gives you access to, to coaching classes and the gym that I worked out at I'd, I'd coached a few classes here and there so yeah that was my only horse in the race you know that was the only the only thing I could think of so I'm like okay, here's my plan. I'm going to search every CrossFit gym that exists in proximity to where my mom lives. And I called them. A few offered me a job. A few wanted me to do an interview. And I was like, I kind of need to know. (laughs) It's like, I'm actually not in
0: North Carolina. I'm actually in Los Angeles, California. He told them about his CrossFit certification, but didn't tell them what his profession had been for the last six years. I
1: find a gym, Raleigh CrossFit, that's going to hire me. Um, I talked to the owner, her name is Chanel and um, former cop um, from Chicago, uh, like tough as nails, but like the best person, like one of the like the best people I've ever met. I, I wasn't a seasoned coach, but I was
0: coming from a place where it organically grew. So she hired me. Josh had secured a new job and he moved back to the East Coast to start a new life in North Carolina just a few hours away from his family. And very quickly, I come to
1: a realization that um, coaching, you know, 10 classes per week at 20 bucks a pop is not going to take me very far. And, you know, from me making very high six figures to me making the money that I was making, it was pretty shocking.
0: Making ends meet wasn't the only thing on Josh's mind. He wanted a clean break from his old life. But when millions of people have seen you in videos, a clean break can be difficult to come by. But I'm like, okay,
1: I'm doing something else. I feel better about myself. I feel like I'm hidden. I have covered up both of my tattoos deleted all my social media that I could, shaved my head even. I'm really thinking I'm going to disguise myself as myself. The, the world knew me as Rocca Reed. Hearing people call me Joshua was almost like hearing someone say a stranger's name because I was so disconnected from me.
0: That Literally, people would be calling my name and me not answer. Names are more than simple labels. They're a reflection of our identity, heritage, and our unique life story. Beyond an identifier, names shape how others see us and how we view ourselves. Pseudonyms
2: aren't uncommon. You know, authors, television personalities. Your full identity, what everybody knows you, the fame that you have, is encompassed in this name. This is Dr. Brian Shepard. He's a pastor and a psychologist with experience in trauma recovery. And if you were to ever leave that industry, guess what? You're not famous anymore. You don't have any notoriety. Nobody really cares because that identity is what causes you to feel that gratification. So when you leave and no longer have that that name, you're just average Joe on the street, which then is why there is such a, a complication when people do leave the industry that that sense of self-worth is gone. And when your self-worth is tied to your career
0: and your career informs your identity, drastic career changes can lead you to question foundational things like your purpose, your value, and what life is like beyond professional achievements.
2: Let's look at this in a little different context here. Let's imagine you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You've worked yourself out of a job. I mean, you, you're not going to make any more money than what you're currently making. One day, you decide, you decide, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not built for this, I'm not made for this. Is that right for me? And you quit. What did you lose? You lose all of your identity. You no longer can pose as being the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. If you do pose, you have to say, I used to be, but porn stars don't really wanna do that. Because then they're bringing that identity on. You've lost all the money that you have. Um, you've lost all the notoriety, all the fame. And that that breeds that sense of, I'm a nobody. All of a sudden, their heart longs for that, that validation that they're worth it. Josh's old identity didn't stay hidden for long. Chanel
1: calls me into her office and... I knew when she wanted to speak to me in her office, I knew it was not good. I knew it was not a good thing. And then my heart sank um, because I I knew, I, I knew in my gut she had found me out because I certainly was not forthcoming with the fact that not only I had done a thousand pornographic films, but they were currently on the Internet and they were one click away from any and everyone seeing them. She calls me into the office, and I sit down, and she asked me, is there anything that you want to share with me? I've had this conversation more times than I would like, and I said, if you're talking about the porn, yes, I should have told you. I've done a tremendous amount of pornography, and it was relatively recent. And I was not in a good space, and I didn't want to be in the industry anymore. So I left, and I came here. And she was like, I wish you would have trusted me with that information, because honestly, I feel like I should have known that about you coming in here. I trust you with the space, trust you like being around people who trust me. Um and I probably should terminate. I probably should let you go. But over the short period of time that I have known you, you've shown me the person that did that and the person that's sitting in front of me, it doesn't line up to me. So while other people wouldn't do what I'm going to do, we're gonna set some healthy boundaries and I'm gonna give you a chance.
0: Like she could have fired me easily, but she didn't. Grace is a powerful thing. When Josh came clean about his past, he also surfaced some more tangible problems. It was almost like,
1: okay, now that you know like the worst of me, Let me tell you some other stuff that's bad that uh, you might need to know. The year I turned 21, I I got a DUI and I paid all my fines. I did everything I was supposed to do except take the classes. So I never got my license back. And she helped me find a place for me to take those classes. She let me use her Hummer to take this driving test. She gave me a chance when she didn't have to. Um, She helped me get my license. She helped me get on my feet. I needed extra cash because just coaching those classes, like, wasn't cutting it. And she was paying me, like, a few extra hundred dollars for, like, me, you know, cleaning up the the parking lot and, you know, cleaning the bathrooms or whatever. And then, like, that still wasn't enough because I had, you know, apartment, like, all these bills, stuff like that. And uh, she ended up helping me get a job
0: at a Whole Foods we love rags to riches stories, but these are the accounts that we rarely hear about from Hollywood Boulevard to the produce aisle. And let me tell you
1: something like going from making well over a quarter million dollars a year to working in a freezer at a grocery store, it was humbling. That was a humbling experience. You know, going from being paid thousands of dollars to show up at a place to being paid a few hundred dollars a week to sit in this cold freezer at four o'clock in the morning. I mean it it sucked. You know, it I I miss the life I had access to because of the money in the industry, but I never miss like being on set. I never missed,
0: you know, doing the scenes. While the money was a temptation, the thought of returning to the industry brought back trauma that he knew he never wanted to face again.
1: Out of curiosity, I I opened my uh, Rocco Reed email, and there were many studios reaching out to me, people reaching out to me on both sides of things, asking me if I would be interested in doing a shoot, The company that I left, that I broke the contract with, they were asking, like, hey, would you do, like, one more, like, you know, we'll pay you, like, whatever. When I saw the emails and I saw the amount of money and I thought, like, gosh, like, it would take me six months working both of these jobs to make as much as I would make in one day. That was really easy to think, gosh, maybe I should go back and do that. But I knew what the price would be and the price would be death.
0: Couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore. Every 40 seconds, someone dies by suicide. Statistics like this are alarming, but the numbers on mortality inside the porn industry are nothing short of overwhelming. Since 1970, over 600 performers have died from AIDS, murder, drug overdose, or suicide.
1: So, to date, 32 people that I knew, like I knew their real name, I've spent time with them. And most recently, Jessie Jane, really sweet girl, bubbly, smart, um, huge personality. She died of an overdose pretty recently. And you look back, um, the last person that I went to AVN with. Um, she was my date at AVN, Arizona. Uh She died of an overdose. I had a few people who I would say were friends of mine while I was in the industry, but by a mile, the person I was closest to while I was in the industry, his real name was Joe, his poor name was Bill Bailey, and um, he was drunk and he fell off a balcony and died. Every obituary that they put out or every like news release that they put out, some didn't even say his real name. They just said that his porn name, how many movies he had done, what movies he was in, and everything that he was known for and nothing for who he was. He was from a, a small town outside of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Loved his family. He was one of the best friends I've ever had. Um, he was a better friend to me like post me giving my life to Jesus, I decided to go back to school and I'm, I'm at Liberty and I was telling him how hard it was and um, just like us processing. Like, we, like up until the year he died, him and I played fantasy football together. We talked like during like football season, we talked every week about Sunday's games, stuff like that. Like We we talked on a, a weekly basis via text. You could tell he was Southern because he would rather call you than text you. <laughs> so um, that's just who he was. Uh, he, he's like, I don't want a dang, dang text message, man. Call me. Um, but it's, it, it's sad because the porn industry would make a compilation of popular scenes or for some people... Like the most outrageous things they've done, and make a compilation video of it. And, you know, way back in the day, it's like you're, you're actually making a compilation and selling a DVD, and you're using the fact that they are dead to market the movie. And you're literally monetizing a tragedy, and you're using the momentum and make more porn to point to the thing that actually killed them.
0: There are a lot of companies out there working against you, your marriage, or your family. You've heard about them on this show, but here's one that is on your side our friends at Covenant Eyes. For over 23 years, Covenant Eyes has been the number one trusted software for Christians seeking to live a porn-free life. I know pornography isn't an easy topic to hear about, but it must be talked about. It's a silent killer. Porn is damaging marriages and families and impacting the work of the church by holding people hostage to this secret sin. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life or seen this in the life of someone you love. Victory by Covenant Eyes is a powerful tool that helps Christians who are serious about quitting porn or never start to begin with, Victory combines industry-leading technology with decades of experience and leadership in recovery, content, accountability, and behavior change. Victory Software has a powerful built-in feature and an optional blocking technology, making it an unparalleled tool in the fight to live a porn-free life. Scripture teaches us the importance of being accountable. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." And James five sixteen says, "Therefore confess your sins to each other and." And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So now let's talk about how the Victory app works. First, using the link provided in the show notes or by visiting covenanteyes.com and entering code Broom30, you can download Victory on all your devices. Next, you'll find a trusted friend to be your ally. This is someone who can walk beside you through the ups and downs of recovery. Your ally will get push notifications of any porn use and reminders to have accountability conversations. The Victory Victory app remains the hub for your recovery journey for you and your ally. You'll find biblical recovery-centric courses for yourself, your ally, and even your spouse. There's a conversation feature that allows allies to react to activity, ask a question, or send an encouragement or prayer request privately and within the accountability context. And remember, accountability is not others calling you out on your sin, but others Mm -hmm. calling you up to the person you are in Christ. So what are you waiting for? Anyone can get started on their path to recovery for free by visiting CovenantEyes.com and entering code broom 30 B-R-O-O-M-E, and the number 30, or by clicking the links in the show notes today. Even though Josh was fighting an uphill battle, he brought his best every day. Although he wasn't in the land of opportunity that was Los Angeles, there were still doors opening all across Raleigh, North Carolina. I was working at Raleigh CrossFit. So
1: Raleigh CrossFit is located like in the downtown of Raleigh, North Carolina. And then um, on the outskirts of downtown, there is this other gym. And it was CrossFit Invoke. And the owners, um, so Brandon Garner was a former like, UFC fighter and Christmas Abbott was like a really well-known personality, like super successful CrossFit athlete. At the time, Like she was one of the most popular CrossFit athletes, like for
0: sure, in that area. And where else would CrossFit athletes who are a big deal do their grocery shopping but Whole Foods? I'm counting Brussels sprouts,
1: getting my produce on. And then she walked in and big, big, big personality. And I, I recognized her right away. So I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, um, my name's Joshua Broom. I coached at this other CrossFit. I start you know, talking shop with her, like talking about CrossFit, talking about my experience, talking about where I was from. So I'm just like nerding out with her. We're having a great conversation. And she was like, man, Ironically, there's a head coach that I have who's leaving, and we have an opening for a full-time coach. And I was like, that would be amazing because I would love to coach full-time. And then she set up an interview with Brandon, and I walk in um, the next day and have this interview with Brandon, and and me and him hit it off. I knew my stuff and I cared about people and
0: they hired me. Josh was able to leave the part-time job at the grocery store and move into a full-time leadership role at the new gym. Things were looking up. Now I'm working
1: at CrossFit Invoke. Super fun working there, uh, getting along with uh, a lot of the coaches, making friends with um, a lot of the coaches, like hanging out with them start picking up a few personal training clients. So once I picked up a personal training client, I quit, quit, <laughs> quit at Whole Foods. And so I'm just training, I'm just working out and training people all day, just loving it. The, the demographic of people were different, not everyone, but a lot of the people there were college age and like the fact that I did porn, it was like not earth shattering, To anyone. It's like, that's crazy. Anyway, which was kind of good for me. You know, no no one's shocked to the point where, like, I'm at risk of losing my job
0: or or anything like that. Things were going well, but the internal turmoil from his past life was still churning beneath the surface. They would hold seminars
1: there, and the coaches got to do them for free. So, you know, like nutrition, um, movement, getting every credential in the world. But Still going home at night and having night tears. Still going home knowing the thing that I'm most humiliated about, any and everyone have access to at a click of a button. It was always like a wave of emotion where like someone found out and then like I'd have to talk about it and I'd feel guilty about it. I mean, it was this almost like Groundhog's Day of people would find out, they would ask questions it, it would become normative and it wouldn't be a big deal. And then the gym was really busy. It was like a seasonal place. Constantly having to explain myself was exhausting. So Josh thought, if it's available at a click of a button, what can I do to make it two clicks or three clicks? If I can't get rid of it, how do I suppress it? So like, how do I bury it? How do, how do I take a shovel to the internet and bury what I did? And um, I started doing... CrossFit competitions, when you would get certifications even, like they would take a picture of it and post it on CrossFit.com, and like that would be something else. It's like I, I was really believing if I put enough good dirt on my bad dirt, I won't feel dirty, and it'll be harder to find that dirt that I don't
0: want you to see. Whenever he met someone, it felt like it was only a matter of time before he would have to answer some uncomfortable questions. One day...
1: This girl walks in and she's the best athlete by a mile, but she needed a little bit of help. And I was a good coach and I was good at the thing that she wanted to get better at. I was like, I would love to help you. After a workout one day, I thought, you know, being the the Southern gentleman I am, I was going to walk over and I was like, hey, I'll put your weights away for you. She was like, I can do that myself. I was like, gosh. And I told her I wanted to, to go to dinner with her or spend some time with her or something like that. And she was just like, eh, <laughs> shot me down. Eventually she was like, well, there's a park close by where I live. And if you want to meet me there, we can run together. Yes, <laughs> right away. I didn't even ask where. <laughs> I was just like, yes, yes, absolutely. I I get there to to meet her for this run and I'm excited. And I'm real early. I'm like, minutes early all of a sudden I feel like I hear my mom's voice in my head don't you dare lie to that girl don't you dare hurt that girl because what was true is there were a lot of people that I hurt along the way because it's obvious That lying hurts people, but withholding the truth from people hurts as well, and sometimes even more so. So I'm like, I'm just going to tell her up front with the expectations that I'm going to tell her that she's going to say that I'm gross or be upset. Before we even, like, started running, we were, you know stretching out our calves stretching out our quads before we run I'm like hey I just gotta tell you something then I just unload a lifetime of hidden secrets on her things that I never thought I would tell anyone the way that I told her the things that I didn't want anyone to know I just told her everything. And I waited. And she, you know, I could see on her face, like she was like pretty taken back. Like not disgusted, but like, like you did those things? Like I, I couldn't, I you know, it's almost like she couldn't rationalize that the person standing there had done those things. And then her demeanor changed. And then she looked at me and said, are you doing any of those things now? I said, no. She's like, well, do you know a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done? And a person's not defined by the greatest thing you'll ever do. There's a creator that created me and you and everything else. And he has the final say. He defines who you are. Do you know who God is? And if I'm honest, I probably would have said I was a Christian only because I could check the boxes of I spent some time in my life going to church when I was a child. So I was like, I I know who God is, sure. And she's like, well, I've been following Jesus since I was in seventh grade. And my whole family is Christian. And I'm not perfect by any means. But he's the foundation in which I live my life. So what kind of food do you like? <laughs> I was like, who are you? You know? She asked me, you know, she asked me, do you like tacos? Do you like, you know, what kind of what kind of food do you like? Like, what are some of your short-term goals? What are some of your long-term goals? And I could tell you, like, how much weight I wanted to squat six months from now, but I didn't, I couldn't tell you the person that I wanted to become. So I didn't really know how to answer a lot of her questions. But I know after our conversation, I felt like she had challenged the very thing I was the most certain of, that someone saw me as valuable in spite of, of me believing that I didn't have value because of my relationship with my father. And I certainly believed I was a bad person because I had done bad things. Yet she challenged all of that. After the walk, I kind of like go back all giddy and um, smiling ear to ear and just like, floored by her, leading up to that next weekend, she invited me to church. I was almost thinking like, gosh, like, is this full of people who think like she does or do I have no place going there? And I get there and people are kind to me. And what I remember church to be was very very, very, very Southern Baptist, you absolutely did not have wrinkles in your shirt. You know, you absolutely did not have tattoos. I walk in and there's this big giant wooden sign that said, we want to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I heard about Jesus, heard stories about Jesus. What I didn't believe was that there was a group of people who were willing to accept me where i was and more so what i had done we just we go and we sit down and i'm expecting someone in a shirt with a shirt and tie to get up and preach and instead this this guy that you know has jeans and a t-shirt and tattoos on his arm and it sounds like my grandpa gets up and and he's telling this story out of 2nd Samuel chapter 9 and he's talking about this dynamic between these two men Jonathan and David and how they were friends and historically when a new kingdom started the previous kingdom was completely wiped out David was different. He was a different type of king. And he asked, Is there anyone left out of the house of Saul? Just asking if is there anyone out of this family that's still remaining? And Jonathan had a son named Mephebosheth, and he was the only person remaining out of this family. And he just asked, like, hey, can can we Go find him and bring him into this kingdom. And Mephibosheth knew history because history means I'm going to die because it's what I deserve. And he didn't get what he expected. The guard comes and brings him back into David's kingdom. And David says, hey, you have a seat at my table forever. And he even restores his land to him. And Mephibosheth was pretty taken back by this. He even references um, himself as a a dead dog. Who am I? You know, I I don't deserve this. And the pastor pivots and he says, Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if we've all sinned, that means that we're all guilty. And then Romans 6, 23 says, the wage of sin is death. So death meaning separation from God because of that sin. So he asks, who's deserving of death? Everyone. We're all on the same playing field. We're all broken and guilty and in need of a savior, there's not a, a you know, there's not a weight scale to see how how many bad things have you done in contrast to how many good things. The the bad things that I've done, they don't weigh more than the person that's stolen the pencil, that's lusted after the girl in the magazine but never touched one. The one that says they're a virgin because of what they've done with their body but they're excluding the things that they've done in their mind or online or with a magazine. It it all weighs the same. It all separates you from God. But the good news is there is Jesus being fully God and fully man. He came into this world born of a virgin and lived a perfect life, something we could not do ever. We could not be perfect. And he died the death that we deserved on the cross. And he was raised from the dead on the third day authenticating he indeed is the Messiah the one who takes away the sins of the world if you put your faith in him his perfection covers you so when God sees you he sees his son it was without question the first time that I heard the complete gospel I knew two things that I was wrestling with three really I know this is true I I don't know how I can I can't articulate to you like what in that moment like it wasn't you know the the historical or archaeological evidence that I didn't know at the time it wasn't anything like that my heart was struggling with, this is true, but is this true for me? And the two other things I knew, if this is true, then that's gonna require me to change. And the third thing was, I don't know if this is for me because what I couldn't reconcile was why? why would you do that for me? Like, it makes sense if this is available to someone like the girl that I was there with. That makes sense. But available to me? I mean, gosh, my my own dad didn't want me. Like, he made himself available, but I was like, man, it if my own dad doesn't want me, like why would God in flesh come into this earth and die for me? Why would an innocent man who was God in flesh, why would you die for me? And then the pastor, he reads this passage out of Hebrews 12 and talks about it's with joy. With joy set before him, he endured the cross. And just like something hit me. It's like, like, yes, if Jesus is God, he's perfect. So of course, he's obedient to his father. That makes sense. He went to the cross and died because that's why God sent him there. Sure, makes sense. But then there was this you know the, the the heart posture of that. It's like he with with joy set before him. It was with love. With, he he like God loves me. I had a hard time believing anyone loved me. Intellectually, I knew that my mom loved me. She proved it time after time. I knew that my mom loved me. I knew that my grandparents loved me. I I heard them say it. I said it back. I, I don't know if I had ever let anyone love me. I'm not sure before that moment I understood what love was. But now I did And I was even more sure that I was loved by God and the Father that I was always wanting, that I was desiring, that I was hoping for, dreaming about as I surrendered my life to Jesus. It was almost like it was a a highlight reel of the times that I should be dead. I've been in places where people died. There's people who I worked with that contracted HIV and died, that I worked with. God protected me. There were people that did things and put themselves in situations that died. I was there. He protected me. I was in places where people wanted to harm me, but God protected me and he showed me that.
0: Next time on Unmentionable.
1: Can I be a boyfriend? I mean, I just came out of having sex for money, for a living, and now you're going to tell me that I can't do the only thing that I've known to be intimate. I was like, well, what does intimacy look like? I feel like I need to be better equipped to communicate the Bible,
0: Unmentionable was written by Lee Shelton, Jacob Jolly, and Tyler McKinney. Directed and hosted by Lee Shelton. Art direction by Jacob Jolly. Kathleen Terrell is our production executive. Edited by Tyler McKinney and assisted by Jacob Jolly. Original score and composition by Tyler McKinney. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Brian Shepard. This episode wouldn't have happened without Alex Lewis, Craig Dennison, Tim Ross, Justin Moats. And of course, Joshua Brim. Thank you for trusting us with your story. Unmentionable is a production of Compel Studio. Christian media tends to make neat, sterile content wrapped in a pretty bow. Too often we shy away from the real, the uncomfortable, and the disquieting. At Compel Studio, we don't believe that sweeping these subjects under the rug is helping. We're creating content that doesn't avoid these tough subjects, but leans into them, exposing darkness and discussing things that we desperately need to. In Scripture, we see Jesus boldly confronting uncomfortable topics. His words provoke and challenge the status quo. And we believe it's time for content made by Jesus' followers to do the same. If you believe that too, you can join us and sign up for updates on all our future releases by I go into compel.studio.